Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. I'm the preacher Dave Magira. And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And Dave, you said we have differing perspectives on our fates. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> There's a lot we talk about that we're both tandem on, for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. So uh, good to be with you this weekend, Harold. And and you, and you. So we have, a, I think, a, a, a great subject for our listeners uh, this weekend, and, and, and that's about the cities of refuge. Where Are we talking sanctuary cities here? Um, kind of. I mean, we, we all could use a little refuge in our life. Uh, it, it appears, uh, I'll just you know lay out, uh, many of our listeners may be familiar, but it appears uh, toward the end of the book of Numbers. Uh, and, you know, basically God commands, you know, there's going to be three cities uh, to the east of the Jordan, and later there's three more within the land of itself. And there's some very interesting uh, laws around this, uh, almost uh, curious uh, laws as to how this all works. Uh, I'll just say in Hebrew, city of what we translate as city of refuge is Ir Miklat. So Ir means city, and Miklat is usually translated as refuge or shelter. Uh, what's interesting is if you go to Israel today, uh, you will find, you know, unfortunately, because of the security situation over time, you know, Israel has built uh, bomb shelters uh, for, you know, when they're needed. And uh, a, sh- a bomb shelter in modern day Israel is called a miklat. It's that same word uh, that's used with the city of refuge because uh, it's, it's the same idea of just providing shelter uh, from something bad happening. Absolutely. Um, most people have a set of maps at the end of their Bible. And uh, in a variety of those maps, it actually points out the cities of refuge. And as you mentioned, there's three on the west side of the Jordan River and three on the east side of the Jordan River. And let's talk for a minute about uh, the thoughtfulness of God when he instructed uh, the creation of these cities of refuge. What's behind that? So I think there's actually a lot behind it because on on the surface, as I said, it, it almost sounds a little curious. So there's this idea that if somebody... Um, you know, well, l- let me back up, uh, you know, in Jewish law and, and, and the Torah, it comes straight out of the Torah. If somebody commits murder, willful intent to murder, they murder someone on biblical times, uh, they were sentenced to death. Now, there are all sorts of requirements, both in the Torah and in other Jewish sources where you have to have witnesses and they have to be reliable. And in practice, the death penalty actually wasn't implemented so often. But But the idea is somebody who's guilty of murder is put to death. But if uh, if somebody, let's say the death happens to be like accidental or inadvertent, uh, what today we would you know, usually call manslaughter, uh, then they're, they're supposed to go to one of these cities of refuge. Uh, and the idea 
is that uh, the what's usually translated, and we'll get to this in a second, as the you know the blood avenger, usually the closest relative of the person who's been killed. Um, you know, basically uh, the person who inadvertently killed will go to the city of refuge, and the, he'll be safe uh, from the blood avenger. Uh, but the idea, and this is where it starts getting curious, is he has to stay in the city of refuge if he wants to be safe, uh, as the Torah says, until the death of the high priest. So, uh, you know, I, the, the joke is made that, you know, one of these guys who goes to the city of, of refuge is, uh, you know, is, is not praying for a long life of the high priest because he, wa- he, he wants <laughs> right. to uh, get out. Right. So this is really, you know, God's plan to improve what would be considered a primitive system of justice. It makes room for that uh, that accident, that tragedy that was very unfortunate where someone lost their life. And, right. and, and God specifically maps out that these cities are very, very special, very unique. And um, those cities of refuge are something that all the people were to be aware of and and that if if something happened where there was uh, unfortunately a death uh, that person could take off and run for that city of refuge because really that's that's the city of hope if you will for that person and um, there at the entry of uh, of the city gate they explain their situation to the elders and the elders uh, take that into consideration about whether or not they're going to allow this person into the city of refuge or not uh, after they make this um, appeal. But I think one of the things that, if I remember correctly, that the Scripture, God instructs Joshua to even make the roads accessible, the signage clear, so that if somebody's running and they didn't have, you know, Google Maps, they don't have their <laughs> GPS, they still have the ability to find that because geographically, there's only three of these towns on the west side and three on the east. And if you look at it on your map, there's quite a bit of geography in between these three three cities on the west and these three on the east. So you you better know where you're going and how to get there. And so I just think about the thoughtfulness of God on this whole thing, who's going, you know what? I totally see that that was an accident, and I need to find a way to preserve that person's life, and right. and 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 to take in the value of the life of this person who was killed. They have to at least be contained, if you will, in that city of refuge uh, until the high priest dies. So there, there, there is. Look, uh, unfortunately, you're going to have freedom in this city, but your freedom is gone if you try to leave this place before the high priest is dead. Right. So so I think there's actually almost a balancing act going on. It's, this is one way to, to look at it anyway. Um, it's unclear from the text of the Torah, you know, what the purpose of this law is, uh, you know, in, in between two possibilities. In other words, uh, is having a city of refuge, is it there to protect this accidental killer? You know, as you say, he's not supposed to get the death penalty, so it's there to protect him. Or is it actually a form of punishment that stops short of execution because he is, uh, you know, he's not exactly in prison, but his movements are very confined. He can't leave this place, you know, possibly for decades should the high priest, uh, you know, live a long time. Right. Uh, you know, so is it a punishment much in the same way as uh, you know, somebody who's convicted of manslaughter 
is going to serve time, but it's not going to be as much as if it were actual murder. Uh, Jewish tradition actually allows for for both interpretations, uh, and and in fact, it, it could be both. It could be you know protecting the killer, but at the same time, he he doesn't get off uh, scot free. And there's an interesting piece in, in the Hebrew here. Again, again going back to the, the text, uh, when it talks about this, bl- what's usually translated as blood avenger, uh, the the Hebrew is actually blood redeemer, goel hadam. So this word goel it means redeemer. Uh, you find it. Uh, when it's referring to Boaz uh, in the book of Ruth, uh, it's that same word goel. Uh, when God redeems Israel from Egypt, it's the same word uh, goel. And you know, so what's going on there is um, this idea that you know blood has still been shed, and and you have you know starting with Cain and Abel, you know God saying you know your your, uh, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And then you have uh, in the same book of Numbers, you know, you shall not pollute the land in which you live for blood pollutes the land. And there's this idea that, you know, where there's shedding of blood, it, it actually, it, you know, it, it pollutes the very land that you're on. So this idea of th- this blood has to be redeemed somehow, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it has to be made right again. So there's this idea of the city of refuge. On the one hand, it's, prote- as you say, it's protecting uh, the 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 person who accidentally murdered because you know he he shouldn't lose his life because it was an accident. On the other hand, you know there, there's some sort of uh, rectification taking place for uh, you know the fact that still an innocent life uh, was snuffed out. Absolutely, yeah. So Book of Numbers, Book of Deuteronomy, Joshua, God addresses this issue as you can see more than once. And what's interesting is the. Book of Deuteronomy, um, when that person runs to that city of refuge, that city of hope, they make this confession, if you will. They tell the story of what happened. And just because they tell the story is no guarantee that they're going to get, you know, a free pass to enter into that city of refuge and have kind of a permanent haven there. Because in Deuteronomy, it says, if any man hates his neighbor, lies in wait for him, rises up against him, and smites him mortally so that he dies, and then he flees into one of these cities, then the elders of his city shall send and fetch him and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. So any kind of, you know, um, embellishing the story or fake repentance, if you will, or some sort of premeditated murder that is pulled off thinking I can get away with it, that had to be something that was determined by the elders of that city. So you you would want to have your sharpest people work in the gates so that uh, an absolute outright murderer wouldn't have that protection uh, put around them. Exactly, because it's not designed for them. Because for somebody who murdered on purpose, uh, you know, willfully, then uh, the city of refuge is not there for them. For them, you know, they need to be tried in a court and everything that goes along with that. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that was so important to God was helping these people who are in trouble. I mean, this is our God, isn't it? Well, all God's children got trouble. So his willingness to help that person who's really in deep trouble because something horrible has happened, 
and God knows that it was, you know, either, you know, a poor decision. There was no, there, there was pure motive. Um, but uh, here's this tragic accident. And so helping that person find that place to run to because, you know, um, the, the Jewish people were, were not unfamiliar with mobility. But once you get settled where God had you settled in the appointed uh, land for the various tribes— you, you've got to have some sort of idea. And the thoughtfulness of God is that let's do everything we can to pull for that person who's had this horrible thing happen, and they're just running uh, with the hopes that they can actually get to the city of refuge before that family member of the person who now is deceased um, gets hot on their trail and starts to chase them down. Um, and so the thoughtfulness of God to not only have these cities, but then to make sure that every conceivable thing that we can do to make sure that it's easy for them to get there, I think that's right. huge. You know, the scripture talks about uh, the Lord is a strong tower. Um, the righteous run into it and they are saved. I, I think that this is uh, God saying, look, you run, you run over here to me. And I will look out for you, and um, I will have uh, that passageway into uh, you being protected. I think it's a beautiful thing that God has done, and it makes me curious about the uh, variety of people across the years who had their life protected and preserved uh, genuinely because it was a, a real accident. Well, you know, there's a there's a passage in the Talmud that it talks about in the, this. We're now talking about in the case of willful murder, uh, where you know they would be tried by a, a court, and uh, you know the the death penalty uh, would ensue. And the Talmud makes the, the the claim that a court that put more than one person to death, you know, in a generation, uh, would was considered a bloody court. And the idea was that, you know, even, you know, you know, basically they were very, even in the case where a life uh, uh, has been taken, um, you know, the idea of taking, and this is saying nothing political about the death penalty or not, uh, but the idea of then taking another life uh, was something that you had to approach with the utmost seriousness and really utmost reluctance, like, only when it was absolutely clear, absolutely necessary. So, you know, how much more so in the case of somebody who, you know, they 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 unfortunately accidentally uh, killed somebody, um, but you know, how much more so that they should not be subject to losing their own life. And at the same time, as I said, I think there's this double uh, meaning going on because it, the same uh, city of refuge, as you said, it's made accessible. It's there for them uh, to protect them. Um, also becomes, you know, to a certain extent, a, a punishment, you know, because they're also confined that it's, you know, there's still this idea um, that you did this. And even though it was totally accidental, but it still happened, you know, so it, it it's not the same as, as saying, oh, it never happened. Don't worry about it. You know, there's still some sort of consequence. I, I was thinking about this just a bit. And, you know, Dave, we've talked 
talked about this. Uh, you know, I think uh, over the years there have been uh, you know various stereotypes, um, not entirely true. Of you know, Christianity is a religion of love. Judaism is a uh, religion of of vengeance, and you have a vengeful God in the Old Testament. And I think anyone who you know reads the Torah closely, it's uh, it's not really what's going on. But but in truth, uh, Judaism is actually this balance between you know love and kindness on the one hand, and justice on the other hand. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's what the city of refuge refre- represents that, um, you know, the word sedek, which means justice in Hebrew, it's the same uh, root of the word sodek. It's basically the same word, which means right. Um, so sedek is, you know, it's, it's making the world right. So I think what you have here is on the one hand, you know, a life has been lost and that has to be acknowledged. So you know, this person does suffer some confinement uh, because, you know, it did happen at their hands, even if accidentally, right. but at the same time, um, there's there's also compassion and mercy for them, you know, on the other side of the coin that, uh, you know, they they should not lose their life and they need to be protected. Yeah. Well, you know what? Once again, the thoughtfulness of God, he strategic, he he's the one who decides where these cities will be. And if you look at the map, you can see that once the tribes are, are settled in their places, that there is, um, I think, 48 different cities that are, that are pointed out in the scriptures. But of that 48, these six are selected by God. So he's, he's the one who chooses them. He's the one that says these will be the cities of refuge. And if you look at the distance between them, it, it's, it's uniquely positioned where somebody who has to run to one of the cities of refuge, it's, um, it's really strategically located uh, no right. matter where you end up living. So I, I, I think about that thoughtfulness of God. So he, he identifies those back in the book of Joshua and even previously before Joshua in the book of Deuteronomy, God expressly commands that these roads were to be made to these cities, that these, these roads were to be cared for, that they, you may need to build a bridge because there's a, there's a waterway there that you, you, you may be full of water and you can't get over it, you know, uh, build a bridge. And, and uh, I, I just think about the thoroughness of which God is, um, is uh, going to uh, these lengths in order to get that person protected. And, and I, you know, that doesn't mean a whole lot to a reader unless you've ever been in trouble, especially big trouble. Um, this is uh, one of the things that we realize uh, that um, God is our helper and <laughs> he's helping the people all, all the way back there, all the way through their, their wilderness wanderings and then getting settled into the land and then to look out for them so that it's not just eye for an eye and Tooth for tooth, yep. you know, and life for life. But this this is an amazing thing, and and then I was thinking, can you think of any examples of anyone who ran to the city of refuge? Um, there may you're putting me on the spot. I know, um, <laughs> I know. This is going to be on the final Herald. This is going to be on. The yeah, because um, on the t- off the top of my head, uh, it's not coming to mind. But that. That that's hardly any evidence uh, that it that it's not there. Yeah. So, <laughs> just think about this for a minute. Uh, 
So the story goes that, you know, David, uh, when he hears the word that Absalom is out to kill him, his son, he heads down to Jericho. And on his way to Jericho from uh, Jerusalem, he crosses through this small community where there's a guy that's by the name of Shimei. Shimei and uh, Shimei always reminds me of uh, Billy Martin with the uh, with the New York uh, uh, <laughs> baseball team, the Yankees. And uh, if you ever saw Billy Martin, he's one of these guys who who was a wiry, you know, coach, and he'd get in the face of the umpire, you know, and they'd be about you know half an inch apart. And he's yelling at the at the umpire and then kicking dirt on him, you know. Well, the King David comes through his community and. Um, Shimei, which I call him Shamey, <laughs> I gave him a nickname. Shamey uh, is so upset at the king because Saul, who was part of Shamey's family, is no longer the king. You stole the throne, you know what? You guys uh, ran the Republicans out of the palace and you guys, you Democrats got in or whatever, uh, however he puts it. And uh, he's not he's not happy with uh, with the king. And so he's he's uh, throwing rocks at him and he's uh, kicking dirt on him. And so David's men say, listen, why don't we just wipe this guy out? And David says, you know what? Listen, we got bigger fish to fry. Uh, my life has been threatened. This guy's chump change. Just leave him alone. Let's keep going. So he heads on down to Jericho. And after uh, the storm passes, uh, because Absalom is caught and put to death, he's coming back through that community on the way back to Jerusalem. And guess who meets him? Shamey. And he, he's humbled and he's broken. And he goes, listen, I, I was having a bad day that day. You know, my problem is my mom drank too much coffee when I was in the womb and all, all this <laughs> stuff, you know. So he's, he's, he's begging uh, the, uh, the king to spare his life, basically. And uh, so David says to him, you know, how would you like to go back to the palace and uh, teach my son wisdom? And so... Shimei can't believe this offer. It's amazing. So he goes back there and uh, he he uh, sows a lot of truth into the life of Solomon. So time passes. Solomon grows up. David is getting ready to go the way of his fathers. So he calls Solomon in and he said, now listen, here's a few things. Number one, here's the here's the blueprints I put together for the temple. You can get all these materials here, there, everywhere, these craftsmen from over here, blah, blah, blah. Then he says, secondly, I want you to take care of your mother. Look out for, for your mother and take care of her. And, and, and last of all, when I die, you kill Shimei. And the reason he says that is because you do not treat the king the way he treated the king in public without having consequences for it. When I mm-hmm. die... You kill Shimei. So if you follow the story, Solomon basically places uh, Shimei in time out, if you will. And that time out is uh, basically one of these uh, cities of refuge where he says to him, now look, you will be safe there until the moment you step away from there. And the moment that you step away from there, your blood will be shed. And, Which you know, is exactly how it works for the city of refuge. The, you know what? And that's exactly what happened. He stepped out of that safe place that Solomon put him in, and his life was taken. He was slain, and uh, his blood was shed. 
So it, it's it, it's uh, one of those things where you know even people who are given a chance, you know, they blow it, right? So, and with well, that, he was, you know, he was warned. Yeah, he was totally. <laughs> Totally, and I believe very much that that's exactly what the elders of the City of Refuge spoke to these people, that, look, you're safe here as long as you stay within the boundary lines. Yeah. So, Incidentally, the, you know, uh, as I understand it anyway, the during the Middle Ages and, and, and after that, uh, you know, a person was fleeing, they could go into the, the, the church and they would be uh, safe. And, you sanctuary. know, it was that same concept yep. uh, that, that it came from. Yep, sanctuary. Yep. It's kind of like, you know, this is home base and you can't do anything to me as long as I'm in, in, at home base, you know. And, right. uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. I, I, I love the thoughtfulness of God. I love that he, he, he places uh, hope before us. And uh, I want to encourage our listeners. Um, this is a good good time of year to keep Israel in your prayers. You know, they live in a tough neighborhood and and I just want to encourage our listeners, keep keep Israel and the Jewish people in your prayers. So we're out of time um, uh, this week, and it's been fun to be with you, Harold, and good to talk about this. Uh, you know, you can always contact Harold and I at the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com. We love to hear from any of our listeners. And you may have a subject you'd like us to talk about, or you'd like to give us input on a subject you heard us talk about. But write us. Uh, you can also uh, find... Uh, recent broadcasts uh, at our website, teacherandthepreacher.com. And uh, that's a wonderful resource there with uh, archives there and access to, to broadcasts that uh, we've had great special guests. So uh, you can take advantage of that. And it's, it's a wonderful way to support us financially. You can, you can come alongside us and click on the donate button there and You'll have a chance to uh, to give and and help keep us on there on the air. We so appreciate our our uh, donors and their faithfulness and standing with us. You know, Harold. You know, we we don't have a bunch of deep pocket donors, but we do have some faithful ones, and we're so grateful for them. Really grateful for them. Absolutely. And then you know, Harold does a phenomenal job keeping our Facebook page going. The teacher and the preacher. There's facts of the day. There's very interesting things that he keeps posted there. You can actually comment and interact there. So uh, check out our Facebook page because I I think you'll learn some amazing things. And then as always, you know, it's great to have Harold right there in in Israel. So if anything crops up that is newsworthy and important. We've got someone right there who can take the time to keep us briefed with the the truth of what's going on and keep us informed. So we, we were really blessed to be able to have um, Harold there living in Israel. But check, it, check us out on our Facebook page, and, and we'll so appreciate your listenership. You know, every, every weekend uh, we sign off with a blessing and Today is no different. Uh, we, we so appreciate all of our listeners, but we always close the program like this. May the God of Israel, who never slumbers and never sleeps, may he watch over Israel, his beloved, and the Jewish people around the world. And may that same God have mercy on America, and may God bless America with a great awakening and we'll be forever grateful.
The teacher and the preacher will be back next Sunday for another discussion on how Christians and Jews can come to once again proclaim that the United States is truly a Judeo-Christian nation. To contact the teacher and the preacher, email them at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. That's theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and give you shalom.